0: Right, morning, gents. How are we doing? Good, thanks, mate. Yeah. Good, good. So, uh, today we've got we've got Will Sanderlands from ABR Festival. Will, t- tell us a, l- a little bit about your about your role and, and, and how you came to get there.
1: Okay, yeah, no worries. So, I um, I started... Well, actually, I was working in recruitment about seven years ago and I phoned up Alan Davies, who started our business 27 years ago and tried to sell recruitment services and then he essentially offered me a job and I went to work for him instead. Um, didn't sell them any recruitment services, but uh, yeah, I got a job out of it, so <laughs> it the uh, wrong way around. Um, but uh, it was when I joined a magazine company um, and I was selling advertisements in the magazine and, you know, some online social media marketing solutions uh, and Adventure Bike Rider was really, really successful. And we had a rally every year where we just got some of the readers together and Alan would be flipping burgers and, you know, we'd have TV on with sports on and... It was, it was great fun, but it was never really a commercial thing. It was just a celebration of ABR, and it was a couple hundred people in a field. And then we thought we could do a bit more with it, and then we had 500 people <coughs> in the same field, and that was the maximum you could go to back then. But we had the man uh, Ducati came along and did test rides, and they got a lot out of it, and we had Triumph there with a few bikes. and uh, Rally Raid came as well and had a few bikes, and we thought, okay, this could be something. And um, in 2019, we moved it to uh, Ragley Hall, in, in South Warwickshire amazing, amazing stately home and it's a proper luxury place, you know, magnificent venue which the motorcycle industry never really had before that, um, it's always been car parks and burger vans and things and uh, the response was amazing, we had two and a half thousand people there that year, it's grown every single year since except 2020 where we can go ahead um, and in 2023 we'll be about twelve and a half thousand people now um, and it's all kind of luxury motorcycling and chaps in their 50s and 60s getting together and having a great time It's it's the one thing we always hear is what a brilliant event it is. So, yeah, it's uh, it's good.
0: Nice. And so um so you're, you what exactly is your role?
1: So I sell um, anything that's business to business and I do all the catering relationships as well. So I, I look after um, yeah the catering the bar and then all the stands that attend and every partnership that we get we do so um, yeah, it's it's quite a broad role, uh, but yeah, a member of the team or me will, will do every single deal there, and I also look after the guys that do the that still do the advertising and the the marketing solutions that we do, the magazines and the video podcasts and things like that that we also run. Uh, so ABR is more than just a festival; it's a it's a proper brand.
0: And so how did you come along um, Fee Street during your search for for caterers? How, how did that happen?
1: Well, I, th- I think uh, I actually know Feast Street because I live in Stratford up on Avon and Feast Street is normally there probably once a week, I'd say, um, yeah. you know, and they're always around. So I already knew of them. And I think I actually met you at the first time this year. Ryan. Yes, I that's think right. Yeah. So, probably. Um, you're dealing with somebody else before. But um, yeah, I, that's, I was kind of al- always knew of Feast Street. It's, I think everybody in my hometown does. Um, and um, yeah, met Ryan this year. And that's kind of how we, we were introduced.
0: What was, the, what was the process like of, of getting to know each other and, and, and how, how, did you, how did that relationship sort of flourish? How did it, how did it begin?
1: It was, it was funny, I t- 2021 will always be remembered for us as the year of the queue. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was such a frustrating year <laughs> for us. Um, not really anyone's fault. It, we, were, we were fresh out of lockdown. It was a week after lockdown and we clambered together a festival and here we were, oh, I've just fixed a spring. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we managed to get this thing together and it was a massive risk. Alan took the decision he was gonna go ahead and he knew there was gonna be a big risk with it. Um, but the world was crying out for something at that point. People wanted to get together, they wanted to ride bikes, and we were gonna have a great weekend and have a really good time. And Ryan was able to come and do everything that he could, um, but the demand was huge. And um, we had massive queues for the bar, massive queues for test rides on the bikes, queues for food everything and i think the first time i ever came came across ryan he was just we're going to sort this you know and he was just I, i'm aware of the issues we had but we'll never let that happen again and this year was i mean it was a dream wasn't it there wasn't i don't think it, yeah. we, we had too little queue this year we want we want a healthy queue next year so uh yeah that's kind of how i was introduced to ryan was as a problem solver
2: the customer's <laughs> perception though like it was you know it's fixed wasn't it and it was great because yeah. you know uh, when i when i spoke to to, to Alan uh, initially before I met Will. Um, you know, he, he was very clear that we, you know, the guys had one opportunity to, to put it right because of the after the year of the queue as Will calls it, uh, you know, they had a lot of backlash from their customers just saying, you know, look, this is an amazing event. You know, just what we need, just what we're looking for, just what we don't have. But it takes too long to get something to eat. It takes too long to, 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 to get a drink, you know, and we're queuing for absolutely everything. And I think, every, I think the, there wasn't a single person on that site that year that got it right, really, because we just weren't... I think probably there was two things. One, we probably weren't expecting the demand after COVID to be quite so high. Yeah. And I think two, po- possibly from not working large-scale shows for a while, a lot of the contractors, myself included, that came in there possibly were... Became a little bit complacent, maybe from, you know, sitting around and not doing anything large scale or, you know, doing pop ups and and things to, to try and survive. So going straight back into that uh, and then, you know, probably the only way to describe it is get, getting absolutely walloped, you know, and the queue times were too long. But, you know, we, we all sat down after that and the guys went out to their customers and just said, without doubt, this will be fixed. So bear with us, um, you know. Straight after COVID, not didn't quite get it right. There was a lot of hands up. Wasn't the world in yeah, that. Just yeah, saying, yeah. no yeah. no excuses made, but we'll fix it. Well, we we knew who we
1: wanted to work with again after that year. It was it was clear yeah. straight away. Yeah,
2: yeah. And we did put it right. We did. Know, so yeah. We got it right. So you know, so from, from this year there was, there was no queues at all, um, and uh, and the customer was really happy. And That's actually, awesome. you've had the opposite reaction, haven't you? At this time,
1: a hundred percent. I mean, if, if you post something now, there'll still be people from twenty twenty one. Go. What were the queues like? <laughs> Every single time, and you they just get inundated with not a problem it was sorted you know, yeah. we don 't have to fix that problem now it 's done yeah. we've parked it, and we just manage it going forward which is which is a great position to be and I think the other thing that was against um people a little bit that twenty twenty one year was um the type of audience you know we knew who they were, we knew that they were going to come with panniers instead of cars, mm-hmm. so they didn 't have as much space for you know bringing their own food and beer and things like that. We knew the demand was going to be big um yeah. so it was just one of those things where uh, adventure bikers tend not to be the same as a you know there's camper calling at the same venue this weekend they're going to turn up with a yeah. camper van full of food yeah they're not necessarily going to be yeah. as hungry so yeah, yeah. it was, uh, it was yeah. a learning curve but we were thrilled we got to go ahead I think most people had a great weekend There was just a bit of a connotation which this year we managed to get rid of so mm. yeah it's really good.
0: Mm. Did you find that um that Adventure bike riders in general are a slightly different demographic to kind of, to kind of feed into and into and service. What 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 are they like? What are they like as a customer?
1: Uh, they're fifty sixty year old blokes. They they really are. You could draw one, and they all look pretty much like that. <laughs> you know what I mean, they're, they're very 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 similar, and they're all great guys. What's great about Alan, who still owns the business, is he is one. You know, yeah. and every gut feeling and every instinct that he has mm. tends to mm. be right. Um, so yeah, he's exactly that sort of audience. But you know, it's it's, it's chaps that have spent their whole life raising kids, paying off mortgages, working hard, not having free time. And then they go, you know, what have I always wanted to do? I wanted to buy a BMW GS and ride down to the Alps and stay in five-star hotels and mm-hmm. ride the Strat, Adi- Stelvio Pass, mm-hmm. Strat, Florida's in Wales. It's not as, as, as popular. <laughs> but, you know, that, those yeah. are the sort of guys that are doing it. And and they are really, really easygoing, really friendly crowd. Most of them are professional. They've worked in banks or whatever for their most of their life. Mm-hmm. But they're also really open and honest and uh, you know they, they, the master classes and the instructions that we give are really popular because they're they're kind of past that arrogant egotistical stage and it's the same with the food the approach to their food you know they're not mm. setting their ways they're happy to try new things mm. you know the the jamaican food that we did was really popular this year and mm. um, they'll, they'll try anything to be honest with you some of them like a burger and chips and some of them want to we actually had a, a people wanting more vegan and vegetarian food this year so mm. yeah there's there's no demographic in terms of what they want to eat
0: is, is the, the demand for vegan and, and vegetarian food, is that, some t- is that a fairly new trend or is that kind of a gradual increase or anything uh, like that?
1: Uh, it was mentioned a couple of times, uh, which is quite a bit, you know, because we, we really didn't get a lot of complaints at all this year. I think we had a 99.7% satisfaction rate from our survey. Nice. Um, so really, really high. And the food was constantly up there being mentioned as one of the best things. Um, and that's what we spoke to Ryan about for 2023. You know, we want to keep that kind of street food mm. variety feel because people loved it and uh, they liked the changing quality. One thing that is immediately obvious when you deal with caterers you have to get your head around is the two types of caterers and that is your I don't want to call them because that's not fair but um, weekend caterers you know the chaps that have converted a horse box or, or whatever it is doesn't have to be a horse box but they, they then they're great cooks a lot of them they're fantastic they make amazing food but they have a job in the week and they're doing this at the weekend because they enjoy going to the festivals they enjoy that environment and if they make a few hundred quid out of it it's thumbs up because they've got a job doing something else Um, but the rate that they can churn food out their access to resource if things are do go wrong or whatever is not the same whereas um, you also then get professional people that literally just do that constantly Um, and that's uh, it's it's difficult because you kind of want a bit of a mixture I guess Uh, but there's only so much capacity for those, those smaller ones
0: so, so what, are the, what are the challenges for you like for when you when you're booking in all these different street food traders and all the catering? What, what mm. are the main challenges for you?
1: Uh, It's difficult to know. Um, I mean, we're in a better position now. But the last last year when I was doing it, it was difficult to know who we could trust because we've been let down by a couple the year before. And there were a few. And you know, Alan will tell the classic story that Alan would, would 100% tell if he was here was he walked past one of them. I won't say who it was. And he says, how was last night? And the guy said, oh, it wasn't great, mate. And he'd watched him close up shop at 3 o'clock the day before because he'd sold out of all of his food. And the guy, all right, fair enough, he might have been trying to get a cheaper deal the next year or whatever. But he just felt like, okay, I can't even have a genuine conversation <laughs> with you now. So it was a bit kind of difficult. And uh, we've worked it out quite quickly who we can rely on. And um, it's such an important part of any event that you really can't afford to let it, let it go, you know, just just i <laughs> hope everything's okay uh, but yeah it's that's probably the biggest challenge is knowing okay what is our people actually capable of because they're always going to overreg it because they want to want to be as busy as they possibly can be and um you know what do we know and are confident in and that's probably taking some time to to get a grip on you know how much is i think next year will be we talked about it again didn't we ryan mm. because there was no queuing this year i wouldn't be surprised if nobody brings food next year whereas because we had queuing in 2021 there were people there this year that did bring food so it's almost like a double change where there would be nobody bringing food when there was so it will be far busier next year even with the same number but we've also got more people so it's again it's it's just kind of i think we've got good people good there's a few companies now we can go to trust them implicitly the bar was absolutely perfect this year the guys that are in the bar we have one supplier to the bar who, who are the guys that run the bar it's a company called uh, moon gazing hair they run the fleece in at bretfordton as well and um exactly the same issues you know the gut chap nigel re- really great bloke and the year after the year of the queue he came in and said you know we're going to work together and we're going to get this right for you and he did you know this year absolutely crushed it a few things sort of learning curves in terms of where we place bars and stuff like that but you know his variety of beer was excellent His Service was fantastic. The staff were all exceptional. And there was, you know, a really healthy, nice queue around the bar where people stood and talked about what they'd done that day, waited five minutes and got a beer. Mm. It was perfect. Absolutely Mm. crushed it. And it's, again, it's a a music festival with motorbikes, really. So it does become a kind of really important aspect to it Mm. if you get a beer in time.
2: That's exactly what it's like, isn't it? It's, uh, before, like, I'd ever heard anybody, i describe it like that. It was the first time I'd been to uh, like a bike or car or motor powered style show where it felt like it was a music festival, but not directly all about bands. It was about motorbikes or you know something completely different from music first but there was like people walking around dressed like they're going to a music festival they got the wellies on you know it wasn't even muddy but they got the wellies on you know and the shorts and they were like you know wandering around with a beer in their hand and i was like it's actually like being at a music festival but you know so it's got that vibe about it which which is really nice but i think the balance because obviously abr as a festival is 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 very new and they've grown it really quickly because of, of of doing it right and quickly acting on those issues and fine tuning them. And I think kind of got to a point now for 2023, it should be the sweet spot, really, shouldn't it? I mean, I think I, so. like Will said, there's still some variables that you've got to try and understand, which is things like, you know, was the level of the queues that we had this year, which which were, were small, um, because there wasn't actually that many people buying compared to the previous year because they were bringing food. And they just didn't want to wait, not realising that the the problem would have been fixed. So by fixing that next year, does that mean you'll get a big surge of people who don't bring food? So you've got to add that into the equation. So I think what we've done um, together is we've put a real good balance of fee street units in there. I've put in a backup plan so that if it's busier than expected because people are eating, I can increase the capacities if I need to kind of almost immediately uh, within the time frame of just getting staff to site. And then he's got a really nice mix of independent traders in there as well, which drive, you know, some real good authenticity into the foods they've got in there. So like, for example, the Caribbean trader are Caribbeans, you know, or from Caribbean descent. So, you know, they will, I think they're even playing reggae music and everything yeah, else. Yeah, it was, I've got real authenticity yeah. about it. So really like I really like really the balance that they've got in there because you know you've got some you know you've got us delivering good quality food making sure the volumes are there and then you've got a whole range of other you know good quality independents that they've worked with now for a couple of years so they've managed to work out which ones are the reliable ones which ones are not going to let them down and which ones are the ones worth working with so, And i think it's I think they're in a good place now so you know you should see quite uh, uh i don't know whether you can improve on ninety nine point seven percent but you know <laughs> you obviously can but there isn't much to go is there really there but
1: no, yeah it was it was, uh, it was really 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 good i mean the feedback's just been nice you, you couldn't have asked for for more than this year we uh it was, a, it was a big winning moment for our team as i say i've been there since the very first one uh where it was 500 people in a field so's Bryn, so's alan uh, so's a beer you know lots of them have and uh yeah to think where it was to where it was this year it's just it's amazing amazing It's, it's all been quite Mm. Not organic, people have worked really hard, but it's felt very natural and like it was just meant to happen. Mm. What,
0: what are your plans for the
1: future? It's a good question. We talk about that a lot. I think one of the best things about the show is the audience. So that kind of respectful adventure bike riding audience that is, you know, being rewarded, uh, which they haven't necessarily been by the motorcycle industry. If you look at motorcycle industry mm. at the moment, it's sports bikes, sports bikes, sports bikes. The guys with the money, spending money on brand new bikes tend to be riding adventure bikes because they're more comfortable when suit the sort of riding they want to do so we're rewarding those guys still and we want to keep growing that because that audience is just really great to work with they're all such great blokes uh, and it's not just blokes there's some women but it's about 93 percent men i think and um yeah so we want to keep that and grow that properly but it'd also be nice to open it up and get more people excited about adventure biking um so we talk about you know opening the doors up and letting more people kind of come and experience it and get involved and have intuition for first-time riders. Um, But for next year, I think we want to keep it as it was this year, bigger, better, and and maybe look to to new plans and get people excited about motorcycling and interested in motorcycling down the road. But for now, I think we've got something really special that we want to keep as it is
0: so you, you mentioned about bringing more people into into mo- motorcycle riding how, yeah. how, how
1: do you plan on doing that it's it's I, I don't through things like this i think um not this particular podcast but our podcast is you know informative helpful information just like this one um and you know making it accessible to for people to learn about why they'd want to you know, make it interesting and exciting you um, and mcgregor started the adventure bike craze with or you and McGregor and Charlie Bortman, I should say. I'd, I'd love that show. Ah, uh, great yeah. show. And lots of people do. I and mean, You don't have to like motorbikes to be into it, but you can't finish watching it and think, I'd love to ride around the world on yeah. a motorcycle. So, yeah, you know, we want to do something that is interesting and exciting and entertaining and, you know, great, v- great music, great food, a wonderful venue. You can take your wife or your kids or whoever, have a great time there, and they could walk away thinking, I want to get into biking now. You know, it doesn't have to yeah. be yeah. burger vans, car parks, sleeping under tarpaulins and in ditches you know it can be a bit more luxurious so that's the plan it's um, you kind know, of what ABR
2: f- is as well isn't it really kind yeah. of they've removed a lot of the they've removed a lot of kind of they've looked at a lot of festivals and gone well what are the negatives here and it's kind of poor quality food you know takes too long to get served uh, horrendous toilets and you know there's just endless amounts of luxury cho- toilet trailers there so you know you're not going to the toilet in some horrendous hole um, you know, that 50,000 people have gone and used before you. Yeah. yeah, if anyone's uh, ever been to Leeds or, or Reading Festival. <laughs> it, yeah. 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 There's, there's
1: proper wedding grade toilets, which is really yeah. important to most people, I think. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. something that matters. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, he, even camping, trying to get somebody to come and camp for three days or three nights. I don't want to do that. (laughs) And I I work there. So we're we're looking at, you know, there's amazing glamping opportunities next year. Mm -hmm. There's a guy that will assemble your tents. You don't have to do that bit. It'll also be an airbed. Blown up for you when you get there. So, how, how do you find that guy? What 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 kind of job? <laughs> <advert is that? laughs> it's not me. I'll just tell you now. I'll just let you know. Uh, it's, I, I, he's, a, he's, he's a completely independent company, and yeah, the he's a guy that really, really really loves putting, tent loves up. putting yeah. tents up. Loves putting up. Yeah, he's a lovely bloke. His name's Will as well, actually. And he uh, the first night, I didn't realise I was going to be camping there. I thought I was going to go home. It was a Wednesday night, so the night before it all started. But we had an influencer who had come flown over from Canada chap called Ryan F9 really great guy and I didn't really feel right just leaving him up there on his own so I stayed the evening with him message will and he hadn't put any of the airbeds up so he turned up drove all the way back from Birmingham wherever he was from <laughs> down to um to Ragley Hall and he had the airbed with him but he forgot a pump so he was like looked at me he said have you got a pump I said why would I have a pump on me <laughs> and he, he had to like I had to sleep on the floor that night. So I had a terrible start to the festival. He he had a pump the second day. But, yeah, it was uh, um, tough. I don't want to camp either. So, yeah, yeah, anything like that that we can do just to make it more appealing and and enjoyable. We just want people to have a great time. There's loads
2: of other stuff in there, though, isn't there? Uh, So, like, for example, like, like my my kids came, you know, and my, my... the wife came, my, my father in law came, my mother in law came. And, uh, you know, my father in law was big into bikes, but he used to be into sports bikes many, many years ago, not adventure bikes, necessarily. So he's, he was the only one out of the lot that was a bike fan, obviously, my, my son, because he's six. So, you know, I think, he, I think all boys <laughs> at six love bikes, you know, well, to be honest, my daughter does as well, to be honest, but they're not, you know, they wouldn't be going there for that directly. Didn't you, um, didn't,
0: didn't you buy them a couple of little, uh, little motocross bikes?
2: Yeah, they well, both. Like yeah, modes, yeah, they both got electric motocross bikes, and they love them, and they, they love blasting them around. So there is an interest there. For that's one of the reasons I said, why don't you just bring them and see how they get on? Um, and they all came. But actually, what happened is my mother-in-law, who you know is absolutely not a fan of bikes, you know, uh, my wife is just not a fan of bikes. They both said they had a really good time because there's loads of bands on. You know, so you've got the whole element of it just being like a music festival, there's loads of entertainment, the bands are going all day pretty much, so there's non-stop music on stage. Um, there was like, you know, there was a, there was a, 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 almost a, a, a demo machine that shows you how to do wheelies on a bike and like it, you know, it p- tilts yeah, up, you know, cool. so my, yeah. my son was loving that, he's just watching them doing it, you know, and people are queuing up to have a go on it. So there was just loads of different things that you can do that even if you're not really into bikes, were just really fun. um You there know, was, there was
1: water sports out on the lake. There was you yeah. know, paddle boarding and yeah. kayaking and canoeing. We had axe throwing and spear yeah. throwing. Yeah. It's, it's all things that just to make it feel like a great time. You know, and and that's going back to your question about how you get people into motorcycling yeah. through it. Give them a great time yeah. <laughs> and associate yeah. motorcycling with something fun, not mm. dirt and oil and horrible stuff. So yeah. Mm. Yeah, it was nice.
0: really good. So, so what was it like for you, Ryan, when, when you first came into contact with ABR? What was it for like for you as an operator dealing with
2: dealing with a company like ABR? Um, you know what? If I'm honest with you, probably, what, what actually happened was there was there was a lady working with us previously. She dealt with ABR all the way through. And so I didn't have that much dealing with the very first booking. Um, and then I don't know whether I think we were actually speaking before covid And I think that's what happened. And then I think it was paused because of COVID. Then our first gig ended up being the one straight after COVID. And I think with the initial, me not speaking directly to ABR uh, very much, and it all coming through the lady who worked here previously, and then COVID and then going into it, I don't think I was fully aware of the scale of the festival was. So obviously when we went into it, Adam and his team went there you know, prepared to go there. And actually, for the capacity numbers that they were doing that particular year, the stock that we brought was suitable. But as Will mentioned earlier, the bikers are quite different. And actually, the volume of food that they went through um, was probably 60% higher than any other event we'd done of the same numbers. And it was a combination of the fact that they're on bikes, and they, you know, they're not uh, carrying loads of food with them. Um, also the fact that they're trialing bikes, so they get up early in the morning because they need to be booked into trial bikes, so they want breakfast, the breakfast starts very early. Then they come back kind of from those trials, sometimes then they want coffee, they might have kind of like a brunch type of like, snack type, type food. Then they get some food later in the afternoon, others are coming back from further trials, so then they're there getting lunch. Then what happens is it's kind of tea time, so they have dinner, and then actually after that, Um, they go in the bar. So if you stay open, which we did, kind of once the bar is starting to slow down a little bit, next minute they will want pizzas. So actually you end up doing kind of four... Four or five times uh, feed, uh, uh, you know, uh, over the whole day. Whereas, you know, some other events you might just trade five hours and you might get one hit out of it. Um, so, it really caught us off guard. And you know, when I had to sit in the boardroom at Alan, um, I'd never met Alan before. And um, I, I'll, I'll tell you how the first thing that Alan said to me when we met him uh, was because I'd always dealt with uh, others of the senior team at ABR, and actually, Alan, I didn't really know what, who or, you know, what ABR was owned owned by, was it a group of companies, you know, was it an individual, I just didn't know. Um, So I'd only just dealt with some senior people at ABR. And I didn't know about Alan. And then, you know, we went there and we were selling out. The queues were too long. We weren't ready. Um, I, I was actually away that weekend and, and my team were there. I was getting phone calls saying, we are running out of stock, we're closing units. And, you know, they're saying this, the team at ABR are absolutely not happy about this, you know, so I quickly had to come quick racing back myself, load up vehicles with stock, deliver it to site, try and get them back open again. So we're doing everything we can because it just completely caught us off guard uh, because we'd got three days worth of food and we were selling three days worth of food in one day because of obviously w- w- what i talked about and ultimately uh afterwards i thought to myself, okay right well we we definitely under egged that and we got that wrong so you know the way we are i sent the guys an email at abr and just said look i got it wrong um i've completely under egged it this is my bad i can fix it uh now i understand it i can certainly fix it so if you're willing to have us back i can sit down with you and for 2022 well, not this out of the park. Um, so I went to meet them, and Alan came in the boardroom, which and I'd never met him. And uh, he said hello, but then afterwards he went. Uh, he said, uh, "Ryan, I'm very, very disappointed." And it was the first thing he ever said to me because he's very to the point, isn't he? It is, yeah. uh, but he's actually a great, great guy. Uh, very, very fair, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and uh, probably one of the most fairest that w- that I've worked with, to be honest. So you know, he's. What he said realistically was just very honest, and I just took it on the chin. Um, and since then, we've built a fantastic working relationship. And, and, and as, as Will said, we've we've gone away and got it right for for this year. So, uh, but yeah, he was <laughs> certainly to the point when he first came in. Anyway,
1: just like that. I think one of the things that was great working with you, and I think Alan appreciated because he's in the same position, is you own your business. Yeah, and it seems like a tiny thing, but if you can deal with somebody that can go. I will fix this. Yeah, it's on me. It's on my head now. And Alan's exactly the same. You know, if I if I want to do something in that business, I only need one person's permission, and that's his. Mm. And it's the same kind of with you, Ryan. as we we felt confident going forward. You were going to fix it, and uh, I, he's always talks about it very fondly. And you know, you got a lot of loyalty from him now. I don't think. Uh, You'll never have to worry about working one of our events. Yeah, uh,
2: and, and you know what? Li- likewise, I feel you know there was a very strong working relationship built over after t- two festivals. Um, the only thing I'm concerned about is we took me out on one of those four by four buggies. So if he doesn't kill me, the working <laughs> relationship will probably go on for several years. Because he got back, I had to pretend I wasn't frightened because obviously he's quite a big <laughs> big guy who rides motorbikes. So I was it? like, yeah, that was that was alright. I like, wasn't really bothered. I just was quickly trying to get out the cab as quickly. <laughs> he's quick- he's <laughs> nearly killed me. Did backers. it? it we, we used to have one with a platform. Form in the
1: back and he have people stood on it and he, oh, he yeah. nearly tr- rolled it a couple of times it was <laughs> unbelievably quick yeah. just fearless I think yeah
2: yeah I mean it was really fun but you know I, there was like a sense of relief when we finished it yeah you yeah, yeah. I did I thanked him but I don't know why uh, that's the <laughs> other thing uh, that's the other
1: thing about the festival I didn't mention earlier there's a 22 kilometer off-road trail yeah. which is unheard of in this country really and it's it goes around all the Ragley Hall park and grounds and stuff like that and we have um Polaris were the main ones this year but mm. of these off-roads yeah um, you know like 4 by 4 all-terrain vehicles that's I the word I, a, I, yeah. b- I
0: think I managed to get a couple of clips of them in, in our video of it yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
1: awesome awesome really so anyone cool. can have a go in those and you can be a passenger or you can drive if you've got a license and mm. it's just an amazing thing to be able to do I mean it's it parts of it it's like you like it's like you're in Canada or something like that um, so that, that's another amazing thing about the event but not the main thing do, do, do you ride yourself I do i fall off a lot um <laughs> but yeah i do i say that i haven't i'd be two years next week since my last major accident um but uh, and i haven't fallen off since uh, before that was probably once a week or so i i do <laughs> and i write in the magazine a little bit um which i quite like and i you know it's an amazing thing to be able to do and yeah i've ridden a lot of the new bikes that have come out over the last few years i've been on uh bike launches and uh gone on some amazing trips as well so yeah, it's it's a r- incredible thing, but I never grew up wanting to do it. I, I I met the guys at ABR, I was working selling on another brand of ours, uh, Adventure Travel, and um, then moved across to ABR, and I just got the opportunity to do my bike test and thought, I'll do that. And then it's all kind of come in. So I, I'm somebody that would never have considered motorcycling, that got into it. And I, I love it, you know, it's great fun, it's a great community to be part of. Everyone's right behind you, Every, there's a, a brotherhood for everybody that rides a bike. If you see another bike come down the road, you nod at each other. Um, it's just it's just a great kind of community to be a part of, um, mm. but I would never have considered it had I not been forced into it. So that's one of the things I'm hoping the festival will do for people is you know get more people interested in it. Mm. And so you mentioned another
0: another brand. Talk talk to me through that.
1: Yeah, so uh, Alan actually started the business 27 years ago. ABR's only been around 12 years. So the first 15 years was a com- was a magazine called Adventure Travel. and Alan started it because. It was very much a vocational thing. He had a young family at the time, so he was obviously making money. But he had a sales background, and he decided that he wanted to travel the world, climb mountains, and also provide for his family. So he started a magazine, and he spend the morning selling all the adverts, and the afternoon selling, uh, writing the stories. which I, I, He plays it down when you talk to him, but it's an incredible thing to be able to do. Really amazing. Uh, because you are one or the other. You, know, you, you are either a salesperson or you're a writer. Very rarely you're both. And... Um, yeah, he's, uh, he, he did it for 15 years, and then he had a motorcycle accident and thought, I'll start that motorcycle magazine now that I've always wanted to And since ABR came along and had the success that it's had, because there was nothing for adventure riders before, um, it's been a proper business, I think, more than a, a vocational way of doing the things that he wants to do. But yeah, it's, uh, it's evolved now into a wide for adventure, um it's got a magazine and we're launching a youtube channel for it and a podcast will will follow i'm sure it's got great sort of social media numbers all around the world um the magazine is probably one of the best produced magazines i've ever seen uh, and it gets a huge amount of support from the industry and, and a lot of people uh read it but uh it hasn't got an event yet and, and that's something that we're working on i think it'll probably be 2024 now um it definitely won't be next year but um yeah, we want to do something that gets people outdoors doing stuff. You Wife know, for adventure is a broad term because everybody is in some way seeking adventure, whether that adventure is, you know, getting out your bedroom because you've not left it in six months or, um, you know, traveling the world. It's, it doesn't really matter. Every, everyone is seeking uh, excitement in their life, I think. So it just, it's just about identifying it, finding out what inspires you and doing more of that.
0: So, do you feel that's a, a bit of a reflection on the current state of the world? Where you, you mentioned, you, yeah, you, you may have been joking, but yeah, you no, mentioned yeah, someone not leaving their not leaving their bedroom for uh, six months.
1: It's, it's so 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 <laughs> important. It's uh, yeah, everything about wife Adventure is uh, about making your life better and making the world better and getting outside, but doing it respectfully, doing things in a environmentally friendly way, ha- protecting your physical and mental health. Um, You know, it really, really is important. And it's also about when we, everything to do with wife Adventure is about good value. And then when we have the festival, we want it to be family friendly, bring your kids along, not pay an absolute fortune, but when you're there, do amazing things and have incredible experiences. You know, how many parents will finish the six weeks holidays gutted that they didn't do more? it's probably every single parent in the country because they didn't find the time or they didn't have the money or they didn't do whatever but we want to take that away but so it's going to be the may bank holiday weekend i'd have thought in 2024 we can take that guilt away from parents then that would be amazing because we'll just give them a place to take their kids and have a great time
0: interesting interesting so what what kind of things are you see so adventure a bike ride is quite clearly about bikes yeah and yeah it, and is the, is the so you're gonna be you're obviously for that you would sell you get people in like Ducati and that's, that's yeah, the yeah. reason why they'd be there. So they yeah. can sell bikes and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Who, you, what's the, what's the commercial sort of angle for, for this?
1: Well, I, I think with the nature of it, it lends itself to sort of brand activation better. So creating amazing content where you zip wire off the top of Ragley hall and you land on a feast street logo, you know, you can imagine <laughs> what you can do with that kind of, uh, you know, content. It'd be amazing. So we're going to bring people in to sponsor the activities and do the different things. So, you know, uh, open fire baking could be something you know and i'm sure there's people that want to get involved in that you could also have face painting and th- artistic things and you know things like that you could also have kayaking on the lake and um you know uh, uh, orienteering or I, i've really alan's really 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 keen i think he's absolutely right if you could do some sort of we want it to be sustainable and environmentally friendly but if you could do like electric quad bike safaris mm. you know mm. where kids could have a go and go out with their parents and just go have a great time you know when you went to pgl as a kid and you did all these amazing things and your parents never even saw photos on it we want the parents to be part of it this year uh, or next year uh, or year after that actually so yeah that's the plan um it, it, we just want everything to be fun and we want kids to enjoy a weekend outside as opposed to, do you remember being a kid and never having to climb a mountain with your dad and halfway up, you were moaning about going back down again. I remember climbing Snowden, and my sister moaned the entire way up. <laughs> and my dad agreed to get the train mm. back down, and then the train was closed, so she moaned all the way back down again. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want that. You know, we want we want we want kids begging their parents to go back. So mm. that's the plan.
0: Cool. And so would you have would you have businesses say that made kayaks or? Yeah, of course. Mm, I mean, yeah. you
1: get some really natural ones. Yeah, really yeah. natural relationships. If you look at um abr again you know there's some really obvious natural relationships like purity sponsored the bar they make beer makes perfect sense and it'd be the same there so a kayaking company could very easily host and you know run kayaking experiences for people Mm. but uh, there's also people um that you know aren't necessarily into the outdoors but would benefit massively from the industry that would want the opportunity to promote health and mental well-being and and you know great times and enjoyment and seek put smiles on children's faces children that may may not get the opportunity that often to do things like this and then also uh, promote sustainability and you know the environment and and living in a more sustainable way um, and educating people on how to do that so yeah there will be some companies that maybe just want to be associated with it but aren't necessarily in that that audience and there will also be companies that lend themselves to, to that type of environment really, really well. You know, um, yeah, kayaking would be a great one.
2: Camping yeah. and, Absolutely. you know, it's yeah. all of those type companies, isn't it? Because actually, um, it's probably worth saying actually, because um, I don't think we talked about it, but there's a huge, there was a huge electric bike part of this year, ABR, wasn't there? Yeah, bigger
1: than ever before. Yeah, electric, obviously we all know the way it's been forced to go. I sound like I was objecting to it then. The way that the <laughs> government has kind of said, right, okay, we're going to stop making, um, Petrol and, and diesel powered vehicles by I think it's 2035 mm. or whatever it is. Mm. Um. So we know is there's going to be new options available. Electric's obviously one of them. Uh. There's lo- what's really really fascinating. I think is that there is only one major manufacturer that currently has a that's Harley Davidson has an electric bike in production.
0: So th- th- this goes back to Ewan McGregor and yeah. Charlie
1: Bowman and their latest. Their latest one that they did the mm. long way up on on live wires. Um, and it is an amazing but I've had a go on a live wire I had to go in Spain it was unbelievable Uh, really really incredible machine there is no reason anybody wouldn't enjoy it it is quite expensive I kind of understand that bit but it is really good fun Um, but they just haven't really taken off yet Uh, and they certainly haven't got the support from manufacturers unless there's lots going on behind the scenes that I don't know about but what that's given way to is lots of smaller companies to get into that audience. So Zero Motorcycles are probably one of the better known ones. They do uh, a few different variants of uh, electric bikes um, there's Energica that were there at the festival this year. There was Maving that were there at the festival this year. Maving were incredibly popular. Everyone wanted to have a go. Unfortunately, they were only ex- uh, exhibiting and trading, but they weren't actually doing test rides. Um, But yeah, there was some incredible electric bikes and it's, uh, you know, it's going to be something that everyone has to do eventually. But there's some really young new companies that broke into the market. You'd never, I don't think they existed 10 years ago. And now they're, they're going to be big players hopefully soon.
0: I I imagine there's some real logistical challenges to making electrical vehicles work out in a festival,
1: especially (laughs) somewhere like Ragley Hall. Yeah, yeah, it's it's difficult. Well, they go out on the roads, they do road test rides. so because otherwise they could only really need a car park you can't really ride them on grass there's a couple of off-road options um but they're just so heavy the electric bikes that it's hard to if you dropped it you're not going to pick it back up again um so yeah i don't think there's a lot of electric there are some electric sort of small electric bikes but i don't think they've necessarily got the range to get around the trail so it's 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 really fascinating i think um that uh, yeah there there's so much happening in that, that market and I think next year there's a proper electric energica so and that's a proper adventure bike. Mm. Um and that will be probably that'll lend itself to going around the trail and doing some road riding as well. So yeah that's it's gonna start happening more and more and more. Uh and they'll probably be you know Ducati and Triumph. I know Triumph are working on electric bikes at the moment. So Ducati probably are. I know KTM have some smaller off road Bikes that they do electric, so it'll, it'll just keep happening more and more. I think, and yeah, there'll be loads of them before long.
0: I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing seeing how that how that turns out. Um, and you mentioned earlier about working with influencers and and creators. Yes, what's your what's your approach to working working with certain influencers and creators, and what what, what are you looking for?
1: Um, it's funny, isn't it? I, I we we talk about it all the time because some of the biggest numbers actually have the wrong sort of people. So that you know, if you've got a great example would be you get uh content creators uh that are very very pretty young girls that probably have a massive following but they're going to sell to people that want makeup and things like that they're not going to sell to adventure bike riders so you have to find something that's really really relevant you have to find people that are really engaged people that understand what we're trying to do and, and suit the audience and have some a trust trust yeah some trust in that their, their following i guess um it's a trial and error thing i think that's the way that we found it we found some that you work with and they're just brilliant they're right on board they work really really hard they do everything that you ask them to do their response is brilliant they sell tickets everything's great and then some of them i think they just sort of turn up for a bit of a free weekend out and that's not really how we can grow the show so and mm-hmm. those relationships you just park and politely move on um so that's that's the approach that we have but it's easy to track i think how they how they're doing how how they're posts are performing how many of their followers are coming how successful that they talking because lots of them give talks at the show and stuff how popular was it if there's nobody sat in the audience <laughs> it's probably not <laughs> worth having them back but yeah, yeah we, we've I, we've got some really great ones and then you know uh, the girl on the bike um there was ryan f9 elspeth beards oh, she's an author she's not a, a digital influencer at all but uh, the, the missenden flyer um Nick Sanders, uh, I'm, I'm going to forget people if I keep listening, so I will stop. But they were just awesome, and they got so stuck in. They, were, they what was great about the show is they were sat watching the bands with us in the evening, so people were sat with their heroes and their idols, and mm. uh, it was just awesome to watch. You know, it was really, really cool to be to be integrated with these celebrities because that's exactly what they are to that particular audience. Ryan F. I've just got one and a half million YouTube subscribers. Yeah, you know, he's, he's a big deal all around the world, and he was sat having a beer with. People that have just popped up the road for a motorcycle festival—it was, it was great. I
0: think that really probably good. says a lot about the community, doesn't it? Oh yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah it does. It really, really does. Yeah.
0: So you—you you mentioned as well. You, you've got YouTube channels for for both brands,
1: and we do. Yeah. Do you have
0: podcasts for both brands as well?
1: Well, the, the YouTube channel for Wide for Adventure hasn't actually started yet. No, there's a podcast, but it is coming. It's definitely in the works. We, we've had meetings. We've got people that are interested in in supporting it. It's going to happen. Um, ABR is established and brilliant. You know, we've got a great team. We're just having a video studio built on the side of the office. Uh, That's how well it's going. Um, It's going to be something that we do more and more and more. Video content is a far easier, enjoyable way of absorbing content than maybe magazines, but the magazine audience will always be the highest Mm -hmm. quality. They're going to be the biggest fans of what we're doing, and I think that older adventure bike rider does like that sort of audience. Uh, It's like that sort of content, sorry. And... um, Yeah, it's it's going well. Uh, Again, it was trial and error, seeing what worked and what didn't. And what we found with YouTube is you can't really predict it that well. Some of the videos that we thought, let's let's just do it because it looks good. They did really, really well. And some of them that we put days and days and days of work into, and we thought we'd do brilliantly didn't. And it it tends to be a bit of a hit and miss thing. Um, But the key is just keep doing it, keep being genuine, keep being authentic, and then promote it well and, and market the content that you create. And it, it's, it's absolutely flown so far. The, the podcast got a couple of thousand regular uh, regular listeners. Yeah, it's good. It's really good.
0: Nice. So, um, tell me a little bit more about this about this video studio. I'm very jealous. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you <laughs> you t- you're t- going to ask t- me t- to build t- one, t- <laughs> 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 yeah. It's
1: it's, it's the, the foundations have been dug out today. So that's that's how you know. Uh, rec- well, it was planned about a year ago. we Got the planning through, but uh, it, it started today. Um, yeah, it's it's going to have enough space to get bikes in and wheel them in and out and be able to talk about them and talk around them and uh, you know do a bit more with them than we can currently do because you can't wheel bikes in and out through doorways and stuff. Um, so that will be really really helpful for us. Right, we've got a big turntable so we can spin them around and make them look cool. Um, you know, it'll, it'll be it'll make life so much easier because everything will be set up ready to go. You know, we don't have to set walk in set up cameras and you know, backdrops and all that sort of stuff, it will be ready. You know, we can do a podcast just by walking in, sitting down, turning the camera and the mics on. That's going to make life mm, a lot yeah. better. So mm. it's it's about efficiency and, easy and easiness more than it is about uh, showing off too much. But uh, I, I don't really know what their plans are. I don't get that involved. Interesting. It,
0: it sounds a lot more like a TV studio than... than like, I mean, it, it seems like the two... The two kind of industries are kind of melding together because, yeah, yeah, yeah. like that's TV the, consumption fair. is obviously dropping massively, yeah. especially a, a, among a younger yeah, yeah, generation, yeah, um, and and obviously YouTube and, and everything else. Like you, we were chatting about Seb earlier, mm. and about him, he, he'll he'll flick he'll flick YouTube on rather mm. than watching the telly. Yeah. And yeah. Like I think that's becoming the kind of norm. And, and I feel like both, both of those things are kind of melding together. Oh, TV's definitely. kind of kind of falling off. Is that been a part of your approach?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I, the best content that we do is the organic stuff. So if you're on the back of a bike and you're talking with your GoPros on and you've got, you're all mic'd up and you're riding it and James or Bryn who do those videos, we were doing a series called The First Rise and it's literally the first time they swing their leg over a bike and take it out. And their reactions are genuine you know, the issues that they have, the response to the power, everything is genuine. And that's the best stuff that I think that we do. But that's not in a video studio. So the video studio is more for your, your podcasts and, and maybe a bit of, you know, uh, five things we love about such and such or showing a new product or something like that. And then you cut to maybe some B-roll of it mm-hmm. in action. Um, that's what that's for. Uh, but the most, the best content is out there. you know, getting out and standing in the field and talking about, you yeah, know it's, it's putting the bikes in their natural hobbit habitats or climbing a mountain or going wild swimming with wild adventure that's that's the that's the content we want to be making we don't want to be sat inside chatting yeah. but there is a necessity to it um yeah back to your question i've gone off topic there a bit uh that that we definitely have noticed i definitely do not watch telly live ever unless it's sport i will not watch any live telly it's all done through youtube it's all done on netflix or or whatever it's all on demand um, and it's just such a growing space we wanted to be in it and a couple of years ago we made the decision to to get stuck in and, and we have and it 's going really well
0: nice uh, Rowan, do, you, do you have any do you have, do you have any questions in in terms of in terms of ABR and how h- how you, how you can improve well obviously you 've been through this already in terms of, in terms of improving uh, what you're providing for, for for the festival. Is there anything that you thought of anything that you've thought of that maybe you haven't spoken about at all?
2: um no not really because we sp- we've spoke about quite a lot and actually you know we put two years into this and you know we both had to make changes on both sides to kind of fine-tune it and get to the point where we think it's right and we think that 2023 is going to be that um, and then obviously with the variances we talked about, we're just putting in a slight backup plan in case there's like a slightly bigger wave with the additional numbers being added and the possibly people going, well, we won't bother bringing any food because there's no queues now. Um, but we've tweaked more than we've talked about, really. So like, for example, Will sent me over the new shape. He's changing the shape slightly, and like we're trying to make it so that, you know, there was a few layouts uh, for this year that almost created a slight wall, didn't the Will, to the bar area Did it, yeah. divided atmosphere almost a little bit so the guys have changed that to make it so that it's more it's accessible this way so the layouts are the other way for around oils. yeah more yeah. oils and so on so it's kind of just been a, a work in progress really and there's a there's a lot there's a lot been changed and there's a lot been tweaked and uh, and worked through from you know everything from kind of layouts to kind of footfall to back a house to trader numbers to kind of everything really so we you know. There probably isn't anything we haven't discussed. I would imagine at this stage because we've pretty much covered it all over a two two year um, and two event kind of working relationship. Really,
0: you mentioned you mentioned layouts, and obviously that's something that you you have to go through with with markets in Stratford and all over yeah. the country and different festivals. Yeah, how do you find that layouts impact the way that you like? That, 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 how much you can sell and, and how you can interact with your customers?
2: It, it's absolutely key, to be honest. You know, um, me and we were even talking on email the other day just about tweaking, you know, the like the positioning of one of our units to be able to be on a corner and little things like this because it's, it's really key. I mean, I, I use this example a lot, but uh, many years ago when I was, you know, still working on the store myself, it was just my little business and I was going out to the market and trying to make some money. There was a pitch next to me that was... Uh, you know, these were three meter pitches and this was next to me. And um, the traders that seemed to be in that pitch t- seemed to be different every week. So I grabbed the market manager and I said, is that a regular pitch or is that like just a casual pitch? And they said, no, no, that's a, that's, that's just a casual pitch. It's not let so I said, well, can I switch my pitch for that one and just have that one every, every week? And he was like, yeah, if you want. Why do you want to do that? So you're right there. And even the market manager didn't really understand it. And I moved there at the very... Because it was a four-day-a-week market. So I said, well, can I move there tomorrow? He said, if you want to, yeah. So he put the casual traders where I would go, which was just anyone who turned up on the day looking for a pitch. And he moved me into that one, and I doubled my take pretty much immediately. You know, which at the time was probably you know, for a little market it was probably about 800 quid a week, you know, of actual income, you know, so for a little business, it was a huge amount of money. And it was kind of ridiculous that something so minor, but it's, it's really not minor. So, you know, would, if you don't quite get it right, you end up with dead spots and dead corners, or the f- natural flow of the public will go the wrong direction. So anybody kind of over this side will lose out from that. So, um, and it's really hard to really actually even understand that to you can plan it, and go okay well i think it will work well like this then you throw all the people in there and actually go well that's not gone anywhere near what i thought it was going to be um and so it tends to be a case of like really just making the most best educated guess that you can get to the planning of it and make adjustments accordingly which is what the guys have done and i'm fairly confident by looking at it for this year that you know so for next year sorry uh, that i think it's uh, i think it's a, you know it's looking really good
1: it's it's interesting there are some things we knew we would be able to nail and that was getting the industry on board because i had been doing that with the magazine and everything else for years before and and people were doing that with abr for years before i was even there and selling the tickets because we've been talking to that audience and getting them excited and stuff like that for years we knew what they liked we knew what they were interested in so we knew those things we could nail there were some things none of us had ever done before and layout catering bars things like that none of us had ever ever even thought about it So we've had to rely on experts and um you still learn as you go but you you know you bring people in like ryan you learn who you can trust and um i think we've got some of our own experts now you know we know what works and what what's going to be you know successful and and what we need to change for next year we've made some massive changes to to where the traders are all going they're all going up the uh, up in the same fields um in front of the hall but we know that that in itself will now become an attraction because some people will go around every single store stand and say hello to people um, you know that is going to be a, a really exciting busy area now just on its own whereas before last this year we had them spread out everywhere and you had some quiet areas some busy areas um, now we're going to keep it all busy because they're all going to be in one place so yeah th- there are some things that you learn as you go and some things you rely on people for uh, advice and there are some things that we brought to the table from the beginning but um, yeah layout's been it's, it's changed every single year. And it will probably change for the next couple of years. <laughs> so that's just the way it goes.
0: Yeah. So, so what are the kind of things that affect like like what are the things that kind of affect the flow of where people go and what attracts people? What can you can you think of any variables off the top of your head that, that
1: kind of For us it's, it's easy. I know that everybody is gonna go to the BMW Motorrad stands and the Ducati stands and they're all gonna go to the Harley Davidson stand. Everyone's gonna go check out those new bikes. So when it comes to planning traders, you just spread those guys out and make sure you use those to drag people through the rest of the trades that maybe people wouldn't check out but will be interested in. I don't know what it's like for you. Yeah, I mean,
2: that's the same form as a shopping centre. I gave this example before, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's anchoring kind of, you know, a space. doesn't matter whether that's a shopping centre, a festival site, you know, or anything else. It's anchoring those key weak spots with big brands that will pull. So, you know, I gave this example previously in a podcast where shopping centres would always anchor, you know, with things like John Lewis or mm-hmm. something where that uh, and actually, your automatic assumption is when you go down to John Lewis, oh, this must be the kind of premium end of the shopping centre, yeah, actually, yeah. you probably find it's the weekend of the shopping centre, it's just you feel like it is because now there's attendance down there because it's pulled all the public down there. Um, and uh, I said I was at a conference recently, and it was uh, an actual uh, conference that was mostly about kind of these new state of the art indoor markets that they're building. And because we are, you know, looking at moving into those spaces from a contractual perspective, I wanted to go there, I wanted to st- see about them, I wanted to kind of network. And I was speaking to one of the architects that does most of these, and he was even talking about anchoring it with toilets. So we're going to put the toilets right at the back. So yeah, that yeah, actually yeah, when people want to come in and just use the toilets, yeah. they're going to go right to the back and when halfway through there, they might go, oh, you know what, I needed a new pair of socks, I'll grab them as well. You know, so um, it, it, it's it's kind of like Zach exactly is Will's saying, really, anchoring those spaces. And actually... Quite often, um, my dad gave me this example and, um, you know, my dad's 30 years into market management. So, you know, building temporary structures in a space is what he's done for 30 years and there probably isn't anyone. He does consultations for local authorities all over and he described it to me one day as you've got to treat the public like water. And if you don't allow them to flow like water, they won't. So, um, and I even set up one day, uh, again, this was kind of quite a few years ago, I was quite inexperienced. And and there was a market that was running kind of down, and just off it was this lovely kind of um, water uh, fountain. And I said, am I allowed to use this space as well? Because uh, my two pitches were kind of like backing onto this waterfall, and I had to leave uh, this fountain, sorry, and I had to leave a space. And he said, yeah, yeah, you can use all that space. I said, okay, so I... I decided that I was going to set up the stalls inside from the actual kind of main alleyway, and then on the outside I was going to put the seating area. And I thought, well, that's great because so they'll see that seating area; they'll love it. And I created two kind of ninety-degree cafe barrier screens with the with the uh, seating in, and you had to come into it to get to the food stalls, which were here. And he came walking along and he said to me, "What? Why have you set up like that?" He was like, "That you, you're going to do your brains there. that, that won't work." I said, why? I was like, it looks great. And he said, no, it looks great. But he said, they're going to flow straight down there. That won't work. And it annoyed me a little bit. So I just ignored him. And uh, sure enough, was doing no sales and it was packed. And he come back later on. He said to me, why have you not adjusted it? And I was just like, I'll be honest, because it really annoyed me. And I, I just actually, I just quite like how it looks. He was like, do you mind if I just adjust something? And he got the seating area and he adjusted the 90 degree angle into a round shape. And I watched him doing it. And I thought, well, that doesn't look as good, you know. And that's all I was really bothered about. And then all of a sudden, they just started flowing in. And I could not it, honestly, it flabbergasted me. I started doing sales. Now, it wasn't as good as if I'd moved the stall straight onto the front. But instantly, we started taking money when we just weren't taking any. And he just said to me, he said, I've been doing the job 30 years. He was like, trust me, I know how the flows work. And it was something as simple as... Creating a 90 degree angle or adjusting that 90 degree angle into a round shape so that they flowed in there and it just was something about the psychology behind, you know, supermarket layout and retail retail sales and where they position everything and how they get you to look. It's just such a science that unless you've got millions and millions of pounds to put into research, most of the time what you've just got to, have to do is have a go at it and adjust it when you get it wrong.
1: That's so true. We had, I mentioned having to change the bar for next year. It was brilliant. And cat, hats off to, to Nigel and his team at Moon Gazing. But they did a fantastic job. But you saw there was one really long bar. We had this massive tent. There was a massive long bar. The longest, I think it was about 40 metres, this bar was. It had machines all the way down it that could pour four pint, uh, 12 pints at once. It had the biggest team in terms of staff. And we had this tiny, short bar. It wasn't tiny, it was still big. Uh, but it was probably 15 metres to 40 and that bar was always really really busy and if you yeah. walked down to the other bar you would just get a beer straight away yeah. but for some reason people kept going up to the top <laughs> and I, you, you couldn't it was up the top of the hill as opposed to down the bottom of the hill mm. i don't know what it was nobody yeah. can quite put their finger on why yeah but everybody went to that top bar mm. and i think next year we just swap the two bars around and have yeah. a big one I, nobody needs to know why it is the case yeah uh, but it is yeah. it's just gonna yeah. It, it'll, it'll be something really slight that we didn't foresee and and, you just won't you predict just that around. will you will. No, exactly. never
2: in a million years no. you'd be able to predict that at all so you know it's there's it so much behind it and the psychology and just you know I just think it, it, like I say unless you've got a camera supermarket that spends millions of pounds a year you know, evaluating that data you've got to just have a
1: go and see what happens yeah.
0: do you find traders like Ducati and like BMW and who have big retail spaces do you find that they have any input like that
1: yeah, um, they, they've all got something to say, that's for sure. <laughs> they're, 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 they're great. They really are helpful. i tell you the one thing we get is everybody wants us to be successful, whether it's Ryan and the caterers or whether it's the industry or I think I've had one person not referred to my calls in and, and, and all these years. And um, yeah, it's great. But um, uh, yeah, they, they all have their own view on how it should be. A lot of them are right, but is there's so much that we're actually capable of achieving. Um, they all have very different ways of operating so we have to find a healthy balance it tends to be about kind of going around speaking to the of them getting everybody's feedback and finding out finding out the least objective or objectionable way mm-hmm. to, to move forwards um, they', they Everyone's really trying
0: to funnel their own funnel people into their own stand <laughs> of course they are. of course they are yeah and, and they yeah. all
1: want to be in at the, at the what's really helpful though is they all think the best place is different so they, they can all have what they consider to be the best place in most mm. circumstances mm. um Yamaha this year had a new bike come out so they were amazing. You know, they did all sorts. They were doing free bike repairs for for Tenere riders. Tenere's their adventure bike. They sponsored the the main speaker tent, and they had a, an incredible exhibition of all the Tenere's through the years in there. Um, they had brought some of their own speakers down. They had a private Tenere camping area. They had a Tenere ticket, so you could actually come and you'd get a T-shirt and a free drink and stuff. Uh, they were just awesome so they were there in a massive way harley davidson had been there in a massive way the last couple of years because they had a new their first ever adventure bike come out um and then Ducati and bmw and all the brands that you associate with with adventure biking are always there in a big way and um yeah you you, without them the show wouldn't be what it is Uh, and we do sort of we don't live to serve them but we do try and make it as successful for them as we can and uh i think so far We've never had one of them say that they didn't have a good show. And the only thing they regret is that they couldn't bring more bikes.
2: They bring the wow factor, don't they? They do. I yeah. think I think for you, when you go into festival sites, um, especially, you know, I see so many that you, you immediately know whether you're dealing with a large scale festival or whether you're dealing with kind of like, you know, one of your kind of typical small scale lo- local festivals. And, you know... It, it, you know, like for example, when I went into cream fields for the first time, and I arrived there to set up, um, you know, there was 125 articulate lorries on site that same day because they have to count them in. So kind of security were like we've currently got 125 on site, we need three out before you can go in and they're making the queue and you're going through the security and you know, and, um, and although ABRs on a smaller scale, the size of the brands they have in there, when you come in, you know, there's an enormous unbelievably glossy articulated lorry massive massive you know polished paintwork you know that's owned by those big brands and it's the first thing you see when you come in these impressive lorries you know huge bike displays i mean there was one brand there that built an entire decked area just for the weekend ducati there
1: was something like twenty thousand pounds just in wood (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's how expensive there was Yeah, yeah yeah and it's all because their md doesn't like having motorbikes on grass Mm. No one can understand why their adventure mm. bikes are supposed to go on grass. <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you what, he was right. It yeah. looked amazing. It looked amazing. Nobody, didn't nobody walked past the catty yeah. stand and didn't yeah. go, wow. They brought their own stage. They had Carl Fogarty, who was king of the jungle there. Um, yeah, he, he was awesome. Uh, he, again, he stayed and wanted to stay an extra day and was having beers with people and taking photos with people in the evening. Mm. He was awesome. Uh, yeah. And yeah, they just, I mean, it shows how much they value what we do and yeah. why we should definitely listen to their yeah you know, i think the they levels. see
2: the uh just the same as the rest of us but obviously these are global brands you know they see the potential of abr even as a new festival it's only been going a few years you know you can see where it's gone from a, a couple hundred people in a barbecue to what it is now those brands see the value in that and they know that you know that they're already doing really well from it so and the guys have increased numbers year on year so it's only going to get better um and and the, for, for abr they bring the wow factor because they come with £20,000 worth of decking and, you know, a yeah. you know, quarter of a million pound lorry and, you know.
1: Oh, it's amazing. It is really amazing what they, mm. they put on. I mean, just the insurance that it must cost to have all those test rides. I, mean, yeah. Yeah, I think there's 700, 800 test rides per manufacturer over the weekend. It's, yeah. it's huge numbers. It might be per day, actually. 700, yeah. 800, there's huge amounts. And, um, yeah, well, I, I was just thinking then, you reminded me, we're well, bringing over lots of people from Europe, lots of people coming from, there's nothing like the Adventure Bike Rider Festival anywhere else in the world. Nothing quite of the size, nothing that's such a celebration and, has the feel that we have. Um, there are other things that uh, would think that they are like it, but they're not. You know, it's, It is different. And I've been to them, and I know that they're not the same. So we, we get people flying in from, from Holland and, you know, or riding over. We had people ride up from South Africa this year. Imagine that is a few wow. months on the map of a bike just to go yeah. to the ABR Festival. And we're going to next year promote it in America and get people to come over from America. You know, we really want to do that. Ryan F9 is massive in, in Canada, and he had an amazing time. So if he can do it, other people come.
0: What's, what's your approach to getting people over from the States? Because obviously that's going to be quite it's an expensive trip. I'm uh, I'm, I'm it
1: is. It absolutely is. But it, 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 the, the, the thing with adventure biking is to have a £20,000 toy that you use three times a year, you've got a few quid. Yeah. So yeah. You know, a couple of grand on a f- flight and, and maybe making a, cu- a, a couple of weeks of it as opposed to three days isn't necessarily that much of an objection for them. You've got to give them reason and getting their favourite people there. So yeah. getting the, the American influencers and you know, Ryans and know, if, if you could get, and he's never been. I don't know if he's ever, he's ever even heard of it. If you could get you and McGregor there, mm. they're all coming. Everyone's coming. They're all going to yeah. fly from all around the world because to spend the evening partying with you mm. and McGregor is a once in a lifetime thing. So, yeah, um, it, it's that's probably going to be the approach. Is is who we invite, the bands that we book. Uh, we've got we we have tribute bands, but the bands are all from that era that a fifty sixty year old bloke is going to love. You know, uh, the Stones, the Who, um, you. U2, we had, we had Oasis, who were probably the one of the youngest ones. Um, we also had uh, Fleetwood Mac, they were called Fleetwood Mads, which I thought was great. Uh, they, they were just awesome, all of the tribute bands were phenomenal. And it was like you were watching them. In fact, I, I had a meeting earlier today with uh, Moto Mondo, who do a, a, a small adventure bike. And uh, they had an argument with somebody on their stand over whether it was the real ACDC or <laughs> not. But, um, I think, I think the, the lead singer of ACDC had died about two months before, so it definitely wasn't him. But yeah, they, no. they were insistent it was. Um, so it's all about the attractions that you put on, the people that you get there, and how you market it to, to those areas. It's easy to market over there. You just choose a different audience on social media or, or, or Google or whatever. But it's, it's about putting the content into the advert that is going to get their attention.
0: Is is most of your advertising, is it
1: Facebook? Is it it Google? You know, know, the best thing, and it's the one thing that I feel so, so proud of from the festival is uh, the most common way that people uh, said that they'd come across at the ABR festival was through the magazine It was about 40%. And then there was 20% word of mouth. So that's 60% of that marketing, Mm -hmm. you know, budget was all organic stuff that we were already doing you know people Mm. it's old-fashioned offline talking bringing your mates reading magazines and that's amazing I think Mm. because actually we do do the Facebook stuff we do do search engine optimization and content marketing plans and video and uh, pay-per-click stuff we do it all of course we do we're not we're not silly we're really good at digital marketing but actually what was most popular was none of that and I think that's a reflection of the audience but also a reflection of you know, the times a little bit. And, and people w- want to, they do like magazines still. They do still have conversations. You do still take your mates along to do these things. If, you, if I'm booking something, I phone all of my mates and say, are you up for this? And that was the most popular way that people got there was the magazine and word of mouth.
0: That's really cool. Um, I think that's probably a really good place to end it. Um, how, how can everyone
1: find information on Adventure Bike Rider? abrfestival.co.uk uh, or adventurebikerider.com. Um, yeah, it's all, it's all online. We've got Facebook media, Facebook channels and all that sort of stuff as well. So YouTube channels, um, yeah, find us and follow us and get in touch. Drop me a message as well.
0: Perfect. Um, where, where do we find your podcast?
1: Uh, it's on the YouTube channel, but it's also on Spotify, Google and um, a few others. I've forgotten.
0: Perfect. Thank you very much, Will. Cheers, Will. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks, Will.